Welcome to the Lighthouse Conversations, a show featuring entrepreneurs and tastemakers from the world of art, culture, tech, and of course, food. I'm your host, Hesha Montasir. Like in 2021, we're kicking off the year with our year in review episode, for which I'm joined by our producer, Chirag Desai. Um, happy birthday, Hashem. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, um, you must know how special you are. The fact that on my birthday, I'm spending pretty much most of the afternoon with you. I have a feeling, though, that when you when we scheduled this, you didn't know it was going to happen on your birthday. <laughs> that may or may not be true. But the point is, I am here and it is my birthday. That is very true. You know what I mean? And uh, yeah. And you even had like this mocktail wannabe cocktail uh, five minutes ago, which That's I thought was, was great. It's yeah. something we're experimenting with. And here we are. So I'm all yours. Um, what are we going to talk about today? Well, I think since you mentioned uh, we were sitting at the lighthouse a little while ago, the lighthouse turned five, which is yeah. quite a milestone. Thank you. It is incredible. I remember I asked you in 2020, how did it feel when you got to three and three and a half and four? How does it feel at five? Yeah. Well, I mean, this five was, I think, particularly special um, because we've just opened two new locations back to back in the last week. Yeah. So it's been uh, crazy fun in that sense. We opened in uh, in Yasbe in Abu Dhabi. We opened in, uh, the, on the Palm, Palm Jumeirah and Nakhil Mall. So it feels like five years a milestone, but also the lighthouse has grown and multiplied in many different ways in a good way. Um, yeah, and last year you guys had the Mall of Emirates branch open. And Mall of the well, Emirates yeah. opened in, in March of last year. So it really feels kind of like a very fitting birthday in that sense. You know, it's almost like it's your birthday, but you've had twins. <laughs> so <laughs> kind of thing. That's how it feels. Um, that's an interesting, look, it's an interesting analogy. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a little bit how it feels. And honestly, look, I mean, we're, I can speak for, I think, for the whole team. I mean, incredible team. Very gratified, obviously, to, to be in, in four different locations four different identities, but all coexist under, you know, that lighthouse umbrella and with kind of a specific uh, idea in mind, as you know. So, yeah. so look, it's been, it's been great. This is not an easy business to run by any stretch. Everybody knows that, especially the F&B part. But I think once you get over the hump, in some ways it starts getting easier. So, um, yeah, so it's a, it's a very special period. Yeah, which is, which, is, which is great. It is. And then some of these, I mean, we're kind of bringing it to the podcast. Uh, you know, the podcast is a little over two years now. We're entering our third. Um, and so that's what I was kind of thinking about, because today that's what we want to do. We kind of want to go back, look at the last year, yeah. uh, what we've done with the show. What, what stood out to me this year, which I, which I think is interesting, is I feel like the show is kind of now has a very distinctive identity. Settled. Yeah, it's settled, right? Yeah. Um, I was listening to our 2020 review to see kind of where we were a year ago. Mm. At that stage, I think we were not as sure as we are today when we look at some of the, what I call the basic tenets of the Lighthouse Conversations as a show, which sits on top of the Lighthouse, which I think some of the tenets are shared. Correct. Uh, but when we, you know, when we introduce the show, when you introduce the show, you always talk about arts, culture, tech, food. Correct. Um, and I think underlying all of this is a little bit of entrepreneurship. So, so to that point, I mean, I feel like the first year, to your point, it took us a year to find our voice certainly for me to find my voice in the first year. And I feel once I felt much more, and we talked about this last year and you brought up in your notes, this idea that, you know, my nephew amongst others had told me, you know, it's lovely, but it seems more like an interview and not a conversation. And I think it did take me about a year and that's normal to find the voice. The second year, I feel we settled and found our guest audience in terms of our, the people we are bringing to the show. I felt like it, to your point exactly, it, we started hitting all of these different marks of the type of 
uh, stories you want to tell and the type of people you want to invite on the show to tell those stories. So that feels really good. It feels a lot more settled. It, it doesn't feel, and it wasn't like, as you all know, that we sit here in the room, you and I, or you and I and Farah and say, oh, we need to get now one person in food. The next Correct. one needs to be in tech. And then let's go back to culture. It's not a, like that at all. Yeah. As you know, it's pretty random. And it doesn't work like that even from a schedule. It's, it's tough to do that. I don't 100%. think that would have been... It's conversations that we're having, things that probably are uh, uh, topical to some extent um, and that we feel we need to cover. And then we think about guests that we feel will bring a perspective to the show and tell a story. So I'm very happy about that. That's the second part that I feel settled only this last year. I'm not in any way belittling guests that came the first year. Uh, the contrary, I think they were great because many of them took also a chance on us when the show was really kind of in its very early stage and formation. Um, but I feel now that we do have a more cohesive approach. Yeah, and I think, you know, when, when we think of it from a content strategy perspective almost, is we talk about the mission and the vision kind of uh, as pillars, right? And I think our vision was clear, but now I think what you because what, what I'm hearing when you describe that is like now we kind of understand our mission a little bit better too. Yes. To say ultimately this is what we're trying to develop, which is uh, the starting point is a community that extends what the lighthouse is doing, right? But then on top of that, it's also as you said, arts and culture as a scene. Uh, but then of course there's an F and B element to it, and then there is entrepreneurship and all of that. And they connect, right? These are these are connecting, right? The fishers connecting. So, I mean a most of these guests still tell their own story in those respective domains, but also many of those guests wind up being probably interested in all of those topics when you think about it, you know, including you and I and Farah. I mean, you know, you have, and when you and I, we were having discussion right now before we came up, the discussion did range from some things that touch probably on the restaurant business because we were sitting in a restaurant, the lighthouse. Um, we talked a little bit about, you know, entrepreneurship, we talked a little bit about tech and the implications. We even talked about, you know, cryptocurrency, some other podcasters. So, so those, that is a natural conversation that you and I had over 20 minutes. And when you think about it, that is, so I find that very natural that a lot of people will take an interest in many of those topics. Now, two difficult things sometimes that I find challenging. One is we don't want to make it so general that for someone who has a deep interest in the topic, it sounds very broad and amorphous. By the same token, you don't want to make it so super technical where you lose a big chunk of the audience. So that's something I certainly think about when I'm asking my questions. And I know that you're thinking about that when you're producing the show at the end, ultimately, is how do you keep that balance? It needs to have depth, but you don't necessarily need to go sometimes so deep where you lose maybe 70% are just saying, I I'm not following. Yeah, I think also, I mean, you know, one of the things that I say a lot, actually, is like a show that is for everyone doesn't work for anybody. Yeah. I do think that having a, a defined audience is an important aspect of uh, a show, right, ultimately, or even a community, right? The community is centered around something. Yeah. Um, and that's not to take away anything away from anyone that, that doesn't either likes or doesn't like our show. But I think it's, it's important to see, that, as you said, it's the flexibility of saying there's a range of things that we can talk about. And there might be a certain guest that maybe not everybody's in on. So, for example, uh, an investor... Correct. Which whom who we bring on often Correct. Uh, has a lot of uh, roots in uh, entrepreneurship. Um, occasionally, maybe an, an investor is interested in art, right? Correct. Uh, uh, or and and every uh, investor I think we've spoken to is interested in the F and B business generally, For sure. right? Yeah. Uh, so they, they they do link up at the end of the day. But maybe someone is not super keen on listening to an investor talk about how he decides to invest, Correct. and that's okay, right? Correct. It doesn't have, every episode doesn't have to hit every spot. That's a very um, good point. 
but I think what what is interesting, as you said, is uh, ultimately now we know why we're doing it and who we're doing it for. And so that's a lot of the decisions now get made around that. So you're as you said, you're thinking of the first stage of saying who is a right guest that will bring value to the audience. And when I when I'm looking at it from a production side, there are times when I say I'm going to take this out because I don't think this brings value to anybody, yeah. right? And yeah. or this is too generic that it's not interesting. Yeah. Um, and so I think that kind of as you said, that kind of settling is where is where we are today, which I think is. But is, you know, there's also a very interesting aspect here, and you and I touched on this offline before we started today. We're talking about Tim Ferriss and his show, for example, and what made Tim Ferriss become so successful uh, as a podcaster. And he's successful as a writer and as a blogger. But and one of the things that I'm very gratified about is after a certain while, you start feeling that the audience also trusts your perspective. In other words. They know that we would bring a guest. They may even know that guest, but I think, I hope, they trust that we are going to take an approach to this guest and particular questions that will be of interest to them. So there starts to be a direct relationship between the host and the audience and not just with the guest. Let me be a bit more specific. I follow, I mean, we probably all do, um, Kara Swisher. I was thinking today, I was listening to her in the car. I know stuff about all her children. Yeah. I know stuff about her mother, lucky. You know, I know things about her medical doctor brother. And when she started a new show called Sway, one of the things that I trusted is I like Kara Swisher's perspective. And I would listen, even that, although that show is a little bit more about power and politics and less about tech. I trust her perspective. So I'd listen to her having guests on that, frankly, otherwise I would not be interested in. Um, and that's a very interesting kind of uh, angle here, right? Um, is how much are you, going, are you going for the guests and how much are you going for the host's perspective? It's, it's remarkable how much feedback I get about you as an interviewer over just the show. Um, and I think the show is a little bit unique on that front uh, because it isn't only, and I think that this is exactly to your point, right? Which is it's just not only about the fact that there is a conversation happening between two people. But the fact is, like, okay, no, I actually like the way he interviews, or I like how he gets in depth into something. Uh, some of the reviews we've gotten from people who listen uh, goes along those lines as well. Um, and I think one of the reasons, to some degree, why you know we had this episode this this year with Yusuf, where we turned the tables on you. Um, I mean, we're doing this as well uh, to some degree to that effect, but this is more about sort of how we're thinking about the show. Yeah. Whereas that was really about saying, let's do the same conversation, but let's put, let's put Hashim in the hot seat instead. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and part of the reason was that I think is, or part of the reason why very much I'm glad we did that is because it's it is important to get to know you. Yeah. And how you think about stuff, uh, and that can be attributing to your background, which is weird enough, which is which explains a lot of the interests you have. Yes. Uh, but it's also about kind of getting your perspective because it's 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 interesting to understand that sometimes. I think I, I have definitely had people listen to an interview and go like, well, why did Hashim do X or Y? Like ask a question, interrupt, something. Yeah. And I yeah. said, because there was a reason. Yeah. You know, there was a reason. And I've had, I have actually watched people, uh, you know, what we call like a, almost like a consumer journey change their mind about how the show goes. We haven't changed anything, really speaking. Yeah. Uh, but realize, like, actually, you know, I get it. I understand why. He doesn't, he's, he's willing to listen, and the show is about the guest's journey. But at the same time, he doesn't let the person just run away with something no. because they're, they're harm, hammering an agenda at and, you. And that's tricky, right? Because yeah. I think you don't want to sound disruptive. You don't sound disrespectful. But, and I may, and of course, the feedback... To some people, I probably do come across as a little too forceful in that sense. 
But I think for me, to exactly your point, it is not, it's less about not wanting to hear out the guests. And it's more uh, to that if I have a feeling that the, the conversation is moving towards sort of, um, you know, away from the, the main core topics of that particular person, their journey. Or sometimes it's just they're not answering the question you've well, actually put exactly, up, right? So sometimes exactly. you, you are yeah. asking about a certain event that may have happened. Yeah. And they're giving you the... I don't, I don't want to say everybody's doing it because they're giving you the PR speak. Because it's not necessarily true. No, but true. there is a bit of but that too, but, for sure. But, yeah, so there's a little bit of that. But sometimes they're just trying to like move around the question. No, you're right. And, and you know that we, we have told guests before that, you know, look, this is listen to the show before you come. Because frankly, the, if, if, that, if you do that, most likely, not even about us being happy or upset with it, it's not going to be a very successful show. And I feel like we do have to ask some hard questions. I don't think people should be uncomfortable, but I don't think the point is also to just have a touchy-feely, feel-good show um, and, and kind of gloss over hot topics um, and topics that we care about. And I, what I try to do in return is also be fairly open about my own views on those topics and, and how they affect me as a person. So we talked about issues of mental health we talked about issues of um, anxiety performance anxiety we talked issues of you know fear of failure in yeah, various so, so, terms yeah so for me like the episode of uh, with with manal who's the manal atayo who's the director yeah. general of um, Sharjah museums for example and you know the the conversation kind of although you started to some degree there actually was entirely about mental, mental health, health and anxiety yeah. And very little about like sort of museum curation, which is fine. And I think I think there's yeah. there's so much value to be had when people are open about having these conversations, right? And and your own contributions to that conversation. Well, I had a pre-conversation with her, and this came up, and I was very clear in asking her whether she's comfortable for us to talk about the show. And she said, I am because I feel I have a platform, and we now as a show have a platform, and I want people to understand that these things are very much part of my everyday life even though I'm successful, very successful, and even though I'm in the arts and so on and so forth. So that's what encouraged us, if you recall, to kind of go more in that direction. It's not we disregard the art, but I thought that it's very important when you are documenting these journeys that to show people with their, their entire persona. Yeah. Um, and, and in many cases, and she talked about this, it is a kind of anxiety that may have driven them to success. Right, Which so that also is, needs is, to be talked about. It's such a powerful thing, right? Yeah. If if you think about how, uh, I mean, even even and the, by the way, in her episode in particular, like there was a lot, there was a conversation we had after, where because the conversation went on for about an hour and something, yeah, um, and we chose to focus on the fact that she was Correct. being open about it, right? It's yeah. not not again not to take away from anything else, but because it's important. I think it's important to open up that conversation. Um, uh, this also reminds me, actually, interestingly. Because uh, I was looking at our sort of episode list from last year, yeah, and so I realized, I. you know, one of the things that happened to us over the summer—well, not it happened to us, but you know—is we chose to take a month off. Yeah. Um, and I think it was interesting because, you know, it's sometimes it's you look <laughs> back at that and you think, actually, you know, it's it's interesting. It's not a, we're not just saying it; we're we're also looking at it ourselves. Everybody's constantly. burnt out. Yeah. <laughs> and we we reached a point where we it was a combination of being burnt out and we had guests fall out and yes. we we were at a point where we were like okay we're gonna have to put something together or whatever, yes. and we all took a stop and said actually that's not why we do this show. And I'm really glad you brought this up yeah. because one of the things that happened with guests falling out, which happens all the time, we could mitigate this risk by pre-recording six episodes, let's say, and this would never happen. And we very purposely, or at least I very purposely, may actually probably for you and Farah be making it a bit more complicated. 
Don't do that. And I really don't do it for a reason. I do not feel that in a, such a fast-changing environment that we're in right now, especially in the middle of a pandemic, which is still not gone, by the way, is that I can have a view today that is necessarily as accurate or valid three months from now. And I don't want to pre preempt this. So yes, a month, two, within reason, that makes sense. So the risk you run, however, is exactly what you said, which frankly is you run out of guess. And I think it was a very good, in my view, collective decision to say, you know what, let's just pause. Let's not try to just put a filler. Yeah. That's not how the show works. It's okay to take a break. Yeah, and I think it's imp- that's the correct phrase. Like, we didn't want to do a feller. I think yeah. that, that actually that drove the decision more than the one hundred percent. Where we said, okay, well now we have to get a guest just because we have to put an episode out. Yeah. Yes, I, I admit, and we were just talking about this. Right, there is a luxury in that. One hundred percent. Which maybe that's not available all the time. I think that goes back to the original mission of the show, which, without overusing that word. I think the authenticity of the message is really important to us, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it goes hand in hand with the story of the Lighthouse and how the Lighthouse has started and uh, being an entrepreneurial and going through this journey with its ups and downs and bringing people on the show that share this journey that may have touched the Lighthouse or not or been touched by the Lighthouse or not. Um, and I think that it's important for, for that conversation to stay authentic. And I think if you start doing fillers or start feeling a, a, a particular pressure to put a particular type of guests on the show, or to your point earlier where you're saying, well, we preview the show every time by saying, you know, tech, uh, food, arts and design. But guys, you know what? We haven't done arts and culture. So now we need to find someone. No, I, I, we've done three or four episodes in a row that were just about technology this year or tech entrepreneurship let's call it this way and that's okay i mean that was at the moment something that happened and obviously cryptocurrency happened and that was also something we want to talk to our guests about and i felt strongly also when it came to entrepreneurship that one of the maybe less understood aspects are you come at it from different angles so we had done the entrepreneur i wanted to do the investor i wanted to do the ones that maybe carry um uh, both uh, both hats wear both hats. They invest and they're operators, and I'm one of them. I mean, I invest in companies and I operate a company as well. And I wanted to show people all of this diversity of that ecosystem. That was very deliberate. We had Faraz, we had Khalid, we had a bunch of people. I mean, you know, Faraz so, so used to invest. Correct. Now operates a company. Yeah, and I think I think also uh, the, these kind of conversations, or and you when you were just saying now that. Uh, there are different there are different sides of this angle, and we try to look at all of them. Um, and one of the things that we do once the interview is done, generally, because we don't air the whole interview, we Correct. almost never do. Correct. Uh, but we turn around and say, okay, what angle of this is the interesting one? So we, we do a little bit of that work happens in the questions, but then a lot of it happens later to say, you know, actually, this was the key, most important, most interesting thing that they said that is of value. Yes. Right. So I thought it was really interesting. We had Khaled uh, from Noah Capital yeah. who was on. Khaled Talhouni, yeah. Talhouni. And he was, of course, a very... That was a really good episode. Yeah, he was it, also very honest. So it was a very interesting investor perspective. But really, I, for me, the question that made that episode was when you asked him, well, do you want to be an entrepreneur? He's like, yeah, I'd love to. But, you know, I know my skills enough to know <laughs> that I'll never be a good entrepreneur. Yeah. Can you see yourself at some point 
being on the other side of this trade. So you have people, again, we keep using the same example, but like, um, you know, Mark Andreessen, who was obviously an operator, very, very successful yeah, yeah. for many years, and then went the VC route. You've had people kind of going both sides. Do you see yourself ever starting your own company as an operating tech business or uh, any business? Yeah, I mean, I'd love to, and I've tried a couple uh, very early right after college and failed very quickly, but um, I am a terrible operator. I am like truly a terrible, Well, you're terrible, operating a company now, by the way. A very small company. Like the, our, small the, the scale of operations is reasonably small and is like, you know, it, it, it's, it's cerebral in nature, which is it kind of works in my head. Like, and so, where, whereas like, you know, and this is why I wish I could be like a founder. I'm maybe, who knows, like in the future, but like realizing my own strengths and weaknesses, like operating large scale teams, um, is probably not my strength and it's not it's not managing people. I love managing people actually like but it's more and working with people but it's more like you know that methodical operational drive is definitely not my strength and one of the reasons why I love my job is because I live vicariously through the founders we invest and I see them like building yeah. stuff my favorite part where he called me renaissance man but anyway we I digress but I'm just thought you just put it out there. We, he didn't say it on that episode, but he said it on the episode. I think when 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 you were on when his I show. was on his, yeah, yeah. yeah. I just want to keep repeating that until it actually sticks. But uh, I'm just joking. Jeremy. So Renaissance man, what I'm trying to understand. <laughs> <laughs> but but you know, and I think it's it's wonderful when the guest is open and honest enough to yeah. do that. But it's also interesting because someone would look at it and say, "Oh, he's an investor. I don't know if I would get anything out of that conversation." One of the things we try to do, at least, is to say, "No, as you said, we want to bring the entire perspective." But if, I mean, you can get the fact that an investor feels vulnerable and honest, uh, even when he's, even when it doesn't seem like an investor is a role where that kind of conversation And most happen. really good ones do, right? I mean, now I don't know if they want to necessarily share this, but what I really liked about this particular episode is exactly what you just said. I mean, really most good operators and investors know that, you know, that this is all part of the conversation and it's not about coming across as invincible. It's not coming across as... Everybody knows that the investing business, certainly in the venture capital investing business, it's the law of numbers. You're going to invest in 100 companies, and five companies are going to, what they call, return the fund. Um, and I think he was kind of alluding to that in a sense, but also alluding that it's not just investing, it's also managing. You manage a business, and they're not always the same. A guy that's a good operator or a girl is not always the same a good manager. So these are all different skill sets that have to come to the picture. Um, so that was an interesting one. And I mean, certainly when we had Faraz on, on, on also Faraz Jalbut, which I think is one or two episodes before that, which gave us the other side of this coin, which is he started as an investor for many years and now has switched to become, start his own company with its own challenges. I'm an investor in this company and I know the challenges that come, generally speaking, yeah. with starting your own company when you used to be the guy who writes the checks and calling these entrepreneurs and saying, what have you got for me today? Yeah. It's a very different, radically different perspective. And it's nice to have those types of guests that are able to give us a diversity of thought. Absolutely. Um, I'll, I'll jump out on that also because there's another thing that I really liked about Faraz's interview. Uh, and the, it kind of goes to his mission anyway, so I know he's, he's kind of really doubling down on it. Uh, but, you know, this conversation of saying, you know, financial independence, understanding finance um, is something everybody should be doing. Yeah. Uh, or, and having yeah. conversations about finance. Must. Yeah. It's starting to emerge here, but if you look at other markets, the US or Western markets in general, what's very interesting now is that you have a whole generation of new investors that are between the ages of 18 to, I don't know, 30, 
who are talking about investing on a daily basis. That's correct. Investing in markets, investing in crypto, investing in real estate. And you can invest in any asset class now, which I think we should touch on. But yeah, for sure. I mean, you have a whole generation of people who are talking about investing. To me, that is good. That is good for society. Why is that good for society? Because being financially literate is a positive thing. His analogy was the fact that, um, you know, we never had financial conversations around the dinner table when we were growing up. And that needs to change, right? That needs to change for us as a region. That needs to change just in general. Because, um, I, I mean, I know, I know people, or at least are really trying to change that conversation to say, I'm trying to teach my kids how to invest uh, and what it means, right? And I'm, uh, even if it's a small amount of money, you say, here, take it, go invest, try it, oh, right? I know you mentioned you, you told your son, for example, to do research on Bitcoin and Ethereum, for example, poor, right? right? Poor kid, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's going to need a shrink any day now. Yeah. yeah. But that's okay. Yeah. He probably would have needed a shrink anyway. But, but I'm son. curious as a follow up, like, how was the presentation? Um, so, what I've asked him to do uh, is so, he, two things. One, there's a Bitcoin thing. And then I've asked him to present to me three different companies. And he presented Spotify, Interesting. Tesla, okay. and Shopify. And I, I don't know, I should say this on the record, because one day he listened to it and he'll get a big head. It was excellent. It was very thorough. He was able to understand the macro issues that these companies are facing. And I think he kind of got the business model. Um, and it was a casual conversation and he has his iPad. I told him to do some research, come back. But it's partially of, so to your point, I grew up in a very academic environment where you looked at everything in frameworks because my parents were academicians. I, business was not part of dinner conversation. And I wanted him to be able to still develop frameworks. I mean, the theoretical framework is very important, but I also want him to understand the commercial angle to life and to what we do. And that's not something I certainly grew up appreciating. I appreciate it at a later stage. So that was important. Um, so yeah, so that was the conversation. And it just brings me on something completely unrelated, but talking about guests of ours that we brought that I felt very strongly brought a different perspective. One thing that came to my mind was that we had a number of female guests and Sandy comes to mind and Nada comes to mind. Both brought out a very interesting angle of Arab women growing in different parts of the world where they felt as an outsider and how they've taken that and made it a strength of theirs. And that's very powerful. And both spoke quite openly about this as well. I mean, Nada yeah. grew up in Japan. As a, as a daughter of Lebanese immigrants, and Sandy grew up in Sweden, and then Finland as a, as a daughter of Lebanese immigrants as well. And if you remember some of the conversations, so interesting, Sandy, for example, saying how she didn't want to bring her friends home because she felt it was too, too Arab and too much food. <laughs> the hard part was my family was different, obviously. Yeah. So I noticed today that I went completely the opposite. So I found my family being very strange because... Uh, they were very loud, you know, that we Comparatively, ate 100% and we ate different things. They were very, it was all about family, a lot about family time. They were very included in everything we did. You know, my mom had to know everything. It was that typical Lebanese family of that course. just- Arab family in general. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> and it just stood out from what my friends had to go to. So did I, you feel a sense of shame? Like, I don't want to bring my friends home because they're going to figure out yeah, and I where think, this Arab family that- Yeah, or more, I think more anger. Okay. Um, I think I took that out on my parents. So I used to fight with my mom very often, mm. uh, every weekend. And I started to work at a very young age because I kept fighting with my mom. So I had to make sure to be away from home. Uh, and I think it was just because I found me so different. Yeah. And so I had the two identities and I had to figure it out.
But what was nice about that also is, you know, today she turns around and says, well, actually, I have the, you know, the, the sweet mentality of yeah, efficiency combined with the Lebanese love for food. Yes. And, and, that's, yeah. the, and that's the work she yeah. does every yeah. single day. So that outsider mentality turning into a strength and co-opting and appropriating your life into something sometimes in your own career. I mean, in both of their cases, in their professional careers and their creative journey, I think that's, that is really special. I didn't grow up as an outsider. I grew up in a relatively homogenous uh, city in Cairo as an Egyptian. Um, but I do have, I was in German school, so I had a bit of a glimpse of how that can feel like. In my graduating class, I was a minority because most of them were German at that point. And I find that kind of play a very interesting one. We'll continue our review and share more of our guest highlights from 2021 right after the short break. Welcome back. You're listening to the Lighthouse Conversations with me, Hesham Montasser, and our producer, Chirag Desai. Okay, so one one more highlight I want to kind of shout out to was was the episode we had with uh, with Hatem Matar from yeah. Matar Farm. Um, that was fun. Again, I'm stepping out of my like producer hat and think, trying to think like a listener. Yeah. And I can almost l- look at that episode and go like, oh, this must be a lot about smoked meats. And like, I think that was like five minutes in the conversation. Not even. Right? Yeah, it was uh, like chic fantastique, as he called it. Yeah. <laughs> it was all, all over the place and a lot less about smoked meats. I it mean, was, it was, a, this it was very little. Yeah, it was very little. And I think it was it was more about sort of his relationship with his father. And it was about him as a father today, which I thought honestly were fantastic kind of insights into what that might be like. Yeah. Because I think it's, again, it's a conversation people don't really have so much. I know he's open about it and I know he talks about it occasionally. Uh, and I know you pushed him on it a couple of times to turn around and say, you know, I think you should tell I, me more about I this. I did because. because he has a very active social media presence and he is well liked and followed. And I did know, I had only met him a few times before, but felt very strongly that there's another side that he does not, not doesn't share, it just doesn't come up. Yeah. Because most of them talk about the pitmaster and the barbecue. And I'm like, that's great. Uh, and you'd think because we are connected to the lighthouse that this is a conversation you want to have. But I was like, no, but there's a lot going on with you as a person um, that we want to discuss. And he, I felt, was very open about it. He kind of owned a lot of these things. But also, which I really appreciated, brought wit and humor to the conversation, which I just think in a heavy year, again, I mean, we are going on to year three of semi-pandemic. Uh, I mean, you know, a little bit of humor and some laughter is, is, is very helpful. I feel like it's a bit like the whole thing of like taking a break, right? I mean, it's just you need to kind of take a, take a breath. And this is coming from someone who's not used to doing that. So I feel like I appreciate when some of our guests brought in a little bit of that kind of sense of humor and that sensibility, not taking themselves overly seriously into the conversation. I mean, I have no friends, no social life. I've given up my jiu-jitsu, my pretend jiu-jitsu career, my pretend skydiving career. No boyfriends. No, 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 nothing. No, nothing. You know what I mean? And if you're will, and no sleep. Yeah. If I'm not gonna be your friend, by the because this is like exhausting. We're, yeah, yeah, we're gonna be eventually. La, we're gonna, After today, I, this is it. This is yeah, a one-hour conversation. And then the last. And I want to be very clear where this is going. <laughs> this is not turning into more than this. You I, tricked me. La, man, but only by you looking for friends. When I'm shfadi. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, last year we talked a little bit about kind of what we wanted to focus on for the year. 
uh, within the constraints of the year, we, I think we, we did okay. Um, we definitely did. Uh, how Thanks do you, to you guys for the most part. How do, you, how do you feel about the coming year? Are there things you, you want to double down on, focus on, or, or bring into uh, the conversation? Yeah, I think, look, I think there's a lot of things that, that uh, we are interested in, I am interested in personally. One of the interesting things, of course, conversations that happened towards the end of last year was that feeling that Dubai, with all the challenges that you saw everywhere, really came out on top. Uh, there's a big change now of the work week uh, to a, you know, different work week than used to be before. And I think Dubai is making a very concerted effort to put itself on the map as a international player and less of, uh, not just a regional player. Of course, they are a very important regional player. And that brings a more global perspective to things, including to us, because as you change this work week, you're connected to other parts of the world that follow the same work week. And I think that is healthy, I really do, in a world that is more and more connected. And I feel like even for our show, I mean, I feel like we've gone from a comfort zone of Dubai in the very early stages to a comfort zone of the region in, in, in maybe our second year. A lot of guests from Egypt, some Saudi, Lebanon, etc. And this is not about let's take the show global, but more yeah. that I would like to hear multiple perspectives from different people. Um, and... Of course, the show will always be connected to this part of the world, to the Middle East, and we want to keep that. But I feel we can get those perspectives um, from all, all around, including people that may not live in the region. I think that would be a nice thing to see, yeah. especially in a world where, you know, I had some trepidations about doing this over Zoom, and I still do. I frankly still prefer a, 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 an in-person show. But I got more comfortable with the setting, and that enables us to do many, many more shows that we couldn't do and bring many more guests that you couldn't. I mean, I'm not Tim Ferriss, but if you recall, one of the things he brought up uh, in his review of his own show recently is he said, well, if you're on Zoom, you will get many more guests and, and it becomes much easier to schedule. And there is some truth to that. And one of the conversations I'm interested in is say from people from outside of the region, how they feel about this region, if they're connected to it. Because I don't think we've brought much of that perspective yet. We've been very focused on regional stories, yeah. which is at the core. But I think broadening it out and hearing from the other side would be interesting as well. Yeah, and I think, again, it goes back to what we're trying to do, which is just because we have the guest who doesn't necessarily live in the region, so to speak, doesn't mean that there can't be a Middle Eastern conversation to be had, right? So we can still bring those perspectives. We can still talk about it, like you said, them viewing us in a certain... Or, or how do they view the region? Uh, and, of course, I mean, we would generally pick someone who has... A yeah, lot of familiarity correct. with with the yeah. region and so on. Yeah. So that profile does exist. I mean, we had um, Chris Khalifa right uh, last year. Yeah. Oh, sorry, the year before actually. But yeah. uh, but again, you know, Egyptian roots, living in New York, um, and what 100%. that was like. And and there is absolute value in in those conversations just 100%. as much, right? So it's not it doesn't it doesn't take away from that conversation. Oh, I agree. I agree. So um, and then the other thing that I thought was interesting is, you know, as we look at we've been looking at kind of. Those trends, food, uh, culture, um, art, obviously tech. We've been bringing people from those different worlds in to speak to us. I think it'll be interesting to become even messier and bring people in that maybe do a combo of these things. You know, So we've had a recent conversation which is going to air about food, but also about culture and really the history of food. So I think the more comfortable we get, the more those lines become even more blurred. And the more, to me at least, of a fulfilling conversation it, it is. Now, 
it's going to be upon us to make the conversation streamlined and not meandering. But I think it brings in a fuller perspective. Oh, it's, and there's a wealth of it, as we've there's, seen yeah. I mean, in the conversations. Yeah. I think one thing I'm looking forward to is kind of pushing us out of a comfort zone from a location perspective as well. So yes. I know we've talked about this for a couple of years. And oh, unfortunately, we, point, haven't, yeah. we haven't played on it too much. Uh, but we've talked about sort of... What if we didn't sit in the studio and what if we went to one of the locations? What if we did yeah. something? And I think those, that can also be... I agree with I, that. I, it can be interesting. Uh, we, have, we have to think it through and, and work it out. We but. spoke a lot about the slurping sounds of Barbara Streisand <laughs> eating the soup. And I feel like we still haven't done that. It doesn't yeah. need to be a Barbara Streisand, but, but I think you're, you're right. We have spoken a lot about this. And I think hopefully now with also multiple lighthouse locations and all of that... Um, we'll be willing to be a bit more daring. I've probably been a little bit more hesitant. Uh, yeah, that's the Germanic fair. side of mine. But I think that's something we should, we should explore. I agree yeah, with I that. Yeah, I think when we, when we started, we had looked at it as almost as events, right? And saying, Correct. as we had with, with for example, Zaki Nasiba or something, right? Like where we said, okay, we're going to bring conversation and you're going to get to watch. And I think for me, what is now obviously has to be more partly because of what's happening, uh, but also because I think there's value in doing the in-person thing, sitting face-to-face, -face, doing it over a meal instead of doing it over just in the studio. And by the way, and yes, in Abu Dhabi, we have a library bar. Well, there you go. I mean, you know, I mean, I don't, I cannot imagine a better space to have this conversation with some unintended consequences I'm not going to go into now. But I mean, I'm just saying that is quite powerful. I feel like that would, that should be where our next review is. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe a year from now we'll be there. Iraq Farah, what do you think? We even have a, a bar menu. I mean, should we give him the full menu or just the bar menu? I feel the bar menu is more than enough. Okay, fine. We'll give you the full menu. Chirac yeah, is fine. I haven't said anything. <laughs> <laughs> and thankfully, there's no camera working that records my face right now. So nobody knows what I would do. <laughs> I do. It's forever etched in my memory. But yes. Well, you might as well get used to that then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. Thank you very much, Hashim. I Thanks. think this was, this was good. Thanks, I mean, it's good to, Thanks, good to you. And on to a new year. Happy New Year to, Happy new year, to the audience as well. Thank you. A big thank you to all our guests who joined us over the last year and to you for listening and sending us your reviews and comments. You can find us on Instagram at thelighthouse underscore AE or leave us a rating in Apple Podcasts on Spotify. We'll be back with a new episode in two weeks. So see you then.